one of those moments where you go, well, well, do I do this or not? And what will it mean for my family? What will it mean for me? Is this the right thing to do? So welcome to the Brave Bold Brilliant podcast. I have got an incredible guest with me today, Louise O'Shea. She is a chair and non-exec director across multiple businesses in the fintech world. My gosh, Louise, we are going to have such a great conversation. How are you? I'm great, thank you. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm super excited. Oh, honestly, it's fantastic. We have got a lot in common. We were just chatting before we press record and I know we're going to end up having lots and lots of interesting um, golden nuggets of advice coming from you. So um, yeah, it's great to uh, great to see you, Louise. And unfortunately, we weren't able to do it in person. You're in Wales and I'm in Sydney in Australia, but we will get together in person when I get back, 100%. Good. I'm very much looking forward to that. Excellent, excellent. So Louise, you've had a really illustrious career, you know, a very strong career in the corporate space, in particular in, in tech, financial services, etc. And I know you're really passionate about sort of women in business as well, and, and just kind of really, you know, being a trailblazer for, for, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion. So we're going to talk about that. But before we get into the detail, do you want to just give us a plotted history of, you know, where I started for you, Louise, and how you've ended up here? It's uh, I'm really interested to hear yeah of course of course so I well I'm going to just give you a few different nuggets and I'm sure we're going to get into into different bits of it but basically I I've always been driven by this love what you do because it means that you're going to be great at it or if you're not great at it at least you're going to have a good day you're going to enjoy yourself and I've got a real passion personally for the underdog the road not normally taken, the mission impossible, and kind of asking why not instead of accepting the of course not um, type answer. And so that, that kind of theme kind of runs throughout my life. So I, um, you know, kind of first big thing, I guess I read history at university because I love it, I'm passionate about it. And I kind of believe that you've got to understand where you've come from to appreciate where you're going. I then became a chartered accountant when everyone at uni thought I was going to go into PR, uh, which is much to the amusement of anybody in PR these days. Uh, I moved into a global tech strategy role and I learned so much about future technology, which is now past technology, because that was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I uprooted my life to live in Wales uh, because I fell in love with a Welshman. So it's amazing the things we do for love, isn't it? Uh, I joined a car. <laughs> I joined a car insurer when I couldn't even drive a car. So I had never bought car insurance, couldn't drive, and the CEO interviewed me, and he was like, "That's perfect. Uh, you'll come with fresh perspective." Uh, I went on to turn around a business that was widely considered a poisoned chalice, uh, which I'm sure we will get into a bit more. And then I decided I was going to bring fintechs together in Wales so that their voice could be heard um, and they could collectively speak much louder than they could individually. And I'm currently pushing myself into a non-exec career, which means that every day is a school day. But that's a very quick kind of like plotted history of some of the things that um, I've done. And I'm very happy to, to talk with you, Jeanette, and find out more about you as well and what you've been uh, doing throughout your life. Oh, fantastic. Well, Louise, we've got lots in common. So you're a northerner that has fallen in love with a Welshman and is now living in Wales. So that is that uh, we must be living parallel lives, although I'm a fair bit older than you, I think. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. To no, see. I just say it's good. It's just good skincare. That's what I tell everyone. It's, uh, I'm really, really old. I just have really good moisturizer. 
Excellent. I love it. I love it. Well, you look amazing. And of course, you are a mother to two lovely girls as well, aren't you? That's right. So I've got two kids, six and eight. And the two two girls, which you know are just wonderful. I, you'll see behind me if you're if you're watching on YouTube, but it's pink. Pretty much everything. The house is pink. Most of the bedrooms are pink. My husband's like, there's just too much pink in my life, but I love it. Uh, so yeah, I've got two little girls, and I actually um they're, they're critical to my uh, to, to my career they've helped to shape my career to be perfectly frank because uh, when my first one came along she enabled me to leave a, leave one of my roles uh, which I'd been trying to leave for a while but they wanted me to stay in it so being pregnant was the ultimate um, you know you got to replace me now um, so that was that was good so that was my first one Bronwyn and then when Emmy came along my second one uh, I was interviewing for a CEO job uh, a brand called confused.com and I was heavily pregnant and she was must have been about six weeks old when I got the job and went went into started working there so she's grown up um being the CEO's daughter basically so yeah that's oh, well, more about that later yeah no talk, well I, I'm really fascinated so so that was a pretty pivotal kind of break when we talk about brave bold brilliant which is the title of the podcast right I mean you know when you're heavily pregnant about to have your second child and then you you know you accept the role of CEO of confused.com a massive massive job what was the what was the going through your mind at that time with that whole process because as we as we know when when you go for the uh, recruitment process in these these kind of roles it's not quick is it it tends to go on for a while so you've got plenty of time to digest and think oh my god is this going to be am i crazy or is this actually a good idea but how did it play out what were you thinking what were the considerations that you had to to kind of grapple through with that decision oh it's a great question it, you you're right that it was they tend to take a long time but because I basically had a, a short period because I was like, I'm literally going to give birth if we don't do this interview and get this kind of done. Um, it did kind of shorten it a little bit, which was quite handy. But but I, it was really a bit of a, I call them sliding door moments. And I don't know if you're familiar with that old movie, the sliding oh, door yes. movie. It's, it's one of those moments where you go, well, well, do I do this or not? And what will it mean for my family? What will it mean for me? Uh, is this the right thing to do I'd always had a fantastic mental coach in the background and when I went off with my first child they taught me three th they told me three things they were like you're going to be more organized because you've had a child you're going to be you're not going to be scared by anything because you've been through labor and you are going to get cut through the crap because you're going to have this clock ticking and you're going to have to get home to look after the kids so it's going to make you much more effective and so I always knew that being a mother was a positive for my career progression and approach to other people and my work but actually making the decision to say, well, I'm not going to be around as much as I might have been with my first child for my second child. And that really only, it was a decision that I made, but it probably, the impact of it only really hit me about a year later when I was packing away the baby clothes. And I realized I hadn't seen my second daughter wear them. I'd seen her in sleep suits at the beginning of the day and the end of the day, but during the day I hadn't actually seen her like, you know, in those little outfits that you put your kids in and all that kind of stuff. And that that was a real heartbreaking moment for me. And it was something that made me realise I want to, in the future, get more of a balance in executive careers. Because 
the current career trajectories, um, you, know, you work really hard in your 20s, you climb um, you know, the corporate ladder in your 30s, you get to a senior role in your 40s, and you know, then you know, that continues into your 50s. It's not actually designed for women, it's designed for men. Because generally women and other people, you know, women, men now who want to take out time out to care for their kids, you generally do that in your late 30s, your 40s. And that's when you're supposed to be really kind of climbing this executive um, ladder. And so I really want to see if we can rewrite those rules. And so by talking about it, that's one step, but actually doing it myself, that's another. And that's partly why I'm launching myself into a plural career. Yes. Yeah, so, so how long was your tenure then at, at, C, at, um, at Confused.com? Because you've only recently left. It's very, very uh, new, isn't it, this transition period for you? That's right. I th- it could be up to six six years. So quite a quite a long time. Did a lot in that time. Uh, the business was one when I took it over. It's fabulous business, but it had lost its way and it had the worst profit it ever had. Top line was stagnant for you know, seven eight years. It hadn't grown. It was fourth in a market of four in a market it had created. So and the team there. I'd, uh, I've seen numerous different leadership changes. They've seen lots of different change, but no, you know, at the at the top level. But but they were generally just not you know, happy people, but not you know not making the most of their talent is how I would put it. And so it was a massive turnaround job. And I often joke I changed everything, including the kitchen sink, because we did have multiple office changes. But it was a massive team effort to turn the business around and yeah had stellar growth and it was absolutely fantastic to see and to prove that if people love what they do they will do it better so super proud just uh, just as I stepped down we were voted 14th best company to work for in the UK which was a great great result so yeah fantastic and I was looking at some of the numbers so you doubled the revenue tripled the profit in you know in your tenure I mean these are big big turnaround uh, job wasn't it that you did uh, I had an element of that in um, my career at Saga as well actually but um, yeah I mean I think uh, you know the the pricing structure of insurance in as a sector is is fundamentally broken really into oh well I think it's changing now isn't it but um you know in terms of insurance pricing and renewals and almost you know get it's got a bad reputation as a sector as well hasn't it um so so with confused.com was there a big piece around almost repositioning the brand as well and, and kind of getting the customer loyalty back would you say as well absolutely and that came from the core purpose as well which which really appeals to me because I don't like bullies I've seen people bullied and I really it really gets me and for the core purpose when I think about confused.com was very much the the David and Goliath story so Goliath being the you know financial institutions David being the customer and the comparison site confused.com being the sling so having all the tech and the know-how to come together to help David stand up to Goliath so that's at the core purpose. When it came to the brand and the external profile, I had the most amazing um, chief marketing officer that I brought into the business. And he was fundamental in that turnaround in terms of you know, working with me to kind of say, well, actually, we really need to reignite this brand. It was the way I tend to think about it, it was loved but forgotten in many ways. And that's really tough in this day and age to build brands, build new brands, reigniting um, a brand that existed in people's subconscious. It used to be something people would say, you know, I'm I'm confused.com. You know, that was yeah. part of the popular at some point. So it was just reigniting all of that, but also reigniting that spirit in the people. 
because you know, why do you get out of bed in the morning? Why do you come to work? You've got to have a purpose greater than yourself. You, you want to feel valued. You want to feel that you're in a winning team and you want to be working on something worthwhile. That's what motivation comes from. So it was, it was all of that combined, but obviously you've got to make, you've got to make some good decisions. Otherwise you can waste a lot of money in the, in the marketing world. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you're right. I think those businesses, they're very purpose led. I mean, there's a great book. I'm sure you've read it by Simon Sinek called Start With Why. And um, I, I think that's it, it, it's it's so simple, isn't it? But actually, if you're clear on why you exist, what you what your what your purpose is and you know where you're heading, it's a lot easier to bloody get there, isn't it? And get everyone kind of, you know, galvanized behind that. And then instead of you know, I suppose, manipulating the customer to stay with you through, I don't know, just price incentives or whatever it may be. When you get that real loyal customer base because they just share the same brand values, it's a totally different space that you're in, isn't it? It's like an Apple, you know, or some some amazing brands, Nike and, you know, lots of brands out there. So, yeah, I think that that purpose-driven approach and those values is, and like you say, you can see this from you, Louise, you've got this energy about like, you know, fairness, and wanting wanting a fair and equitable place in the world for business and for you know your your teams and and the customer as well and i think that's obviously all credit to you with what you did there that's incredible amazing thank you i didn't do it by myself though which is some, yeah i did it with my team and that's you know, of course that, I, I, find, I find that when i speak to uh, different people now about opportunities though there i find that obsession with the CEO, the fish does rot from the head, don't get me wrong. The CEO does have an incredibly important role to play, but that role is about creating an environment where others can succeed. And CEOs who think that they're the be all and end all and that you know that, that I I don't believe that they're the ones that will be successful in the long run. No, 100% agree with you. And, you know, high performing teams. Um, in fact, actually, it's a big part of, of some of the advisory work I do with with organisations is, well, you know, well, what is a high performing team, actually? Are you just kidding yourself? Or are you really where you need to be? Where 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 are the gaps? Where do you need to improve? And you, we're all only ever one person, aren't we? There's only 24 hours in a day. And, and you're absolutely right, unless you've got an amazing team with you. And arguably, I always think as a leader, I'd be interested to get your views on this. I think it's it's you know it's about hiring people that are smarter than you um in those areas and and not being too egotistical about that and actually going no oh, I don't know I don't know everything I don't have all the answers I need great people around me and that you know and actually having that whole right people on the bus sitting in the right seats all facing in the same direction um so so with high, with with the team then louise what were the key ingredients do you think for you that made that such a successful team to do that turnaround job that you did so it was a combination of introducing new people with new skills and expertise to people who'd been in the business for a long time but kind of reshaping their role and um what they were focused on so it was about getting the right kind of expertise around the table then it was about building them and molding them into a team a team that fundamentally cared for each other that really understood where they you, you were coming from as an individual basically had they had each other's back and i think that that was that was really important because if you're in an area where you're not sure, you know, it's very political or a bit toxic, you're not going to bring yourself, you know, you're going to bring everything to work and you're going to be a bit fearful and kind of hide aspects of yourself. And that means that you're not as a team going to work as well, you know, you're not going to achieve as much. 
And so sort of breaking down all those potential conflicts and barriers so that this group really trusted each other. And that allowed them to have positive conflict then to kind of say, because you, you've got to have that kind of moments where you go, I go, I think we should go left and someone else thinks we should go right. You've got to be able to have that conversation and very openly and then work together to kind of work out what the right route is to go. At the same time, being a CEO, sometimes I have to make decisions and go, well, actually, you know, we're not going left or right. We're going straight forward or whatever it might be. And and so it was a combination between that kind of listening, bringing together the team of experts, listening to what they were saying, valuing them for what they bring to the table, and then making sure that we're all pointed in the same direction and that we all move together towards that goal. And so it was a combination of all those things, which, which takes time to, to build up. It doesn't happen overnight. Uh, trust in any organisation, in any relationship, takes a long time to build. Um, and that, that's, that's kind of a very kind of critical point. But at the same time, it can be destroyed within seconds, unfortunately. That's the... That's the that's a sad thing and that's in any relationship so yeah no you're absolutely right trust it's um it's a key it's a key thing and uh like you say hard to hard to build um easy to lose if you're not careful and um yeah that's important so when you when you had that first year when you were packing away the baby clothes and you realized that your lovely daughter you hadn't seen her wear any of those clothes or not many of them anyway during that time you still had five years run at confused.com then didn't you so how did you manage to or did you actually maybe you didn't you know the whole motherly guilt and sort of you know wanting to be the best you know businesswoman and, and leader for the business but at the same time wanting to be an amazing mum for your kids and, and a great wife for your husband and you know great friend and blah de blah etc how did you manage through that five-year period then having had that moment that pivotal moment of feeling oh my gosh I've just I've missed a big chunk to carry on for five years what got you through <laughs> great question so I think there's a few different things I did which like you know, simple tips which you know hopefully will help other people listening so I I very consciously said what I wasn't going to do and so and as a woman I I think we generally just load ourselves up and my husband says this you load yourselves up so I kind of listed it out you know I was you know, whether that's um getting all the Christmas presents for the family or having a clean house or you know all those little things that kind of like add to the mental load and I kind of and I contacted my friends for example and I said look guys I've taken on this role I'm not going to be around as much as I am, but it, you know, if you desperately need me, I'll be there. But you, they know that they get the, they'll get an emoji thumbs up when they've sent like a big long like summary of their weekend. Uh, but they'll know that if they're desperate and they need me, I will absolutely be there. So it was just about managing expectations of others or what I perceive to be expectations of others on me. And, and then allowing me to kind of free up my time. And so it was about and obviously having you know being in a privileged position being able to have some support being able to have you know I have an amazing um lady who looks after the house with me Julie, and all those types of things just really really helped and then it was about it was a great um a great friend of mine she said to me that uh my my girls and obviously I've got two girls as well they will be happier if they know that their mum is happier and what makes me happy is being able to help other people and being able to be that you know lead a business, be that help another business. That is what makes me me happy to know, and to know that that business is doing something of, of purpose. And so if my kids can grow up and see that their mom is happy in her job and she's fulfilled, then I actually think that's that's a better a better result for them. So even though they might not see me all the time, 
they uh, when they do see me they see that I am I'm you know, I'm a happier person I think that that's really important yeah and I think there's a big thing around around sort of being in the moment isn't there and, and, I, and we don't have kids but nonetheless you still have if you have a family you don't have a family you still have all these other pressures and things going on in your personal life relationships elderly parents whatever it might be and uh and I, I used to struggle I used to almost feel sometimes like I was just torn you know I felt I wasn't fully sometimes when I've been at work and especially getting towards the end of the day I'd be kind of thinking oh god I've got to get this finished but I really need to get in the car because I've got to be there and and I I probably wasn't as focused as I should be and then when I was at home I'd be like sneaking off to the loo to take a little look at the emails you know (laughs) things like you know and this is just how it was so and and I struggled quite a bit I would say through my career of, of trying to be fully present and just sort of saying right just be here, focus on this. If you do a shorter period of time, but you're focused on it, you'll get more done. And then when you're at home, be at home, be in the moment, be at dinner or be with your friends or whatever it is, but try not to be constantly sort of in this in-between of not feeling like you're doing anything very well. I don't know how how you cope with that. I, a lot of what you just said sounds very familiar. That definitely the hiding, hiding in the loose to check your emails, uh, and because I would you know, daily metrics would come in, you know, six a.m. It would be the first thing I would look at before I even said good morning to my husband, and and I think that passion, that mentality, I think I, yeah, I thrived off it. But you're right, it takes its toll. And my husband very recently said to me, because you know, I stepped down, gosh, you know, a very short time uh, ago, he said, it's so lovely, you're much more present. You're much more um, present. But it, it's always about having a bit of a balance. And so I, I heard a great tip, which I did I did use a lot. And that's before you, you, you drive back from work and then you sit in the car and before you come in, through the door you kind of almost change persona a little bit you know you just kind of go right I'm taking this hat off you kind of almost like feel it kind of like you know through your body and you know going in and you can like spend a bit of time in the car before you walk through the front door what happened was my husband would be like you've been sat in the driveway for half an hour are you coming in I think that tip works, but um, sometimes it can get um, far too nice and peaceful having a bit of me time in the car on the drive. I love that. That's so funny. What are you doing? Come in. Stop being out there meditating. Get in the house. With- <laughs> we need you in here that's very funny but you're right you're right it's almost the getting in state isn't it it's a bit like if you ever have to do I don't know a big presentation or you're doing a you know a bit of public speaking that whole moment and you know the nerves are kind of kicking in and that just sort of just getting in state I think is is a really powerful thing that often people don't do because you're so nervous or you're rushing to the next thing that you know you kind of miss that and sometimes all it takes is a little like you say a couple of minutes or half an hour depending on what's gone on in the day (laughs) oh fantastic that's great so the transition then Louise out of corporate life going down the plural route was that an easy decision for you given the backdrop that you've just kind of taken us through with family life etc or was it a tough decision for you it's something I've always kind of been planning. And so I work with a couple of businesses and I actually founded another business as well. And I chair that. So I've always had this um, kind of like plan in my mind. But I, I will admit now I'm in the kind of 
crossroads moment I kind of think of it and there are lots of different opportunities being presented to me which I feel incredibly humbled by and uh, very interested I'm, I'm kind of taking the approach of saying I'm going to take every first meeting I'm going to take a handful of second meetings and you know what it's you know the plural route is where I think I'm heading but if something happens and actually there's this amazing exec opportunity and I think I can really add value here then I'm absolutely going to look at it and 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 consider it and maybe even end up going in that direction I don't I don't, I don't think there should be a um kind of no, no career and if I look back on mine I think majority of people will admit no career takes a straight line you know there's there's always a you know, actually well I'll take that opportunity over here or, or this happens over here and, and I find when I mentor um, a lot of people in their their 20s they, they're expecting this kind of like direct line and and uh, it's, it's never going to happen like that you will you need to be open and flexible to opportunities so I ended up in the CEO job of confused.com because I was actually going in a different direction completely but just somebody who could see something in me said go and do this um, instead so uh, yeah I think it just completely yeah I'm open but I'm, I'm excited it's going to be very different I've, I've worked with amazing businesses and I'm looking forward to working with lots of other amazing businesses um but um but yes yeah, every day is a school day as they say yeah no absolutely and you know having I'm I suppose I'm what four years down that line now um and you know what I suppose my motivation was probably slightly different because I uh, I think I might have been having a midlife crisis Louise at the time um and I was just thinking well you know because Chris my other half is 10 years older than me and even though he's not some old fossil you know he's got plenty of life in the old dog yeah but nonetheless you know there is reach a point where you go well well you kind of get to a certain point you, you, I mean you've still got very young children but you know you're sort of conscious of the net it's not that you're morbid or thinking about death or anything but you are conscious you become more aware when you get to your 40s your 50s that the next sort of 10 20 years will probably look quite different or could look quite different so what do you want from your life you know and 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 what can that look like in, in maybe a more flexible kind of multiple opportunity perspective rather than doing just one thing really well do different things and and spread it a little bit so yeah I think it I think my advice to you would be yeah just keep that open mind like you are and go with the flow because what I found is just opportunities everywhere I mean when I left Saga when I left the CEO role at Saga of the travel division I would never have said I was going to be a podcast host I mean really you know but this is where I am and I absolutely love it you know and of course I do all the business stuff I get to meet really cool people like you have a great conversation help people that are listening how cool is that but I would never I didn't have a perfect plan I'm going to go and do that it just materialized (laughs) Yeah, I think I think if you're open, I think if you're open, you say yes, and and that's what that's the most amazing thing of the last you know few weeks is that I've I go and meet one person, and then they they're introducing me to three, four, five others. There's multiple different things being you know oh what about this what about that and I'm going oh my goodness actually that's really interesting so so I'm in a I'm yeah it's it's absolutely brilliant I'm loving it and and I'm also training to trek the Dolomites uh, which is terrifying me um, as well but I think that kind of a very different type of challenge and focus on health um, and friendship and reconnecting. I'm looking forward to doing that with a great friend of mine. Um, those types of things, having the, the ability to do that as well is just fantastic. Yeah, no, so maybe a little bit more, a bit more of the uh, the balance word if it does exist, but um, maybe life on your terms, life by design, right? I think that, that that's that's kind of a nice way. I like that. 
your friends are going to start getting long like replies to their WhatsApp messages. Now that we're going, oh my god, and then it then, I don't then know, that's still not going to happen. <laughs> okay, what's going on with Louise? With Louise? Oh my god, she's she's not spoke to us properly for six years. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, this is great. So let's talk about fintech Wales then, because I know it's something that you're really passionate about. So explain what it is, kind of the role you've got there, and and maybe how people can kind of get get involved. And um, obviously, it's in Wales, uh, but there are other organizations in that fintech world in in other parts of the uk and, and globally aren't there but fintech wales what is it louise why why is it interesting for you so it it was born out of um frustration as, as a lot of things are as a business leader and trying to get um the point of view across so in in wales we've got lots of fantastic fintech businesses uh, but we're you know a lot of us are, are quite small so we're not you know the big FTSE 100s there are a couple of those that types of businesses as well but it was about well actually if we came together then our voice our collective voice will be much louder than um us as individuals plus also when you're uh, running a small business startup scale up you don't have the time or capacity be, to be thinking and navigating things to do with academia or government or you know influencing the skills and influencing lots of things that you'd like to influence and you know would benefit your organization but you're you're turning a business around or you're growing it or you're exiting it or whatever you might be doing so it was really kind of like saying well actually what if we came together as as members to a not-for-profit team who would take that agenda and further it for us so I'm so, so proud of what has been achieved in a relatively short space of time. Um, we have a team, a small team of people, um, a brilliant um, CEO. Uh, she's absolutely fantastic and um, knocking it out of the park. And we've got 100 members now. Uh, we've got five-year funding from um, a central pot of funding, which obviously we are you know, applying for anything like that. You've got to be so, so um, you know, clear on why you're doing this and why is this going to help the local um, whale, how's it going to whales? How's it going to help the local environment wherever you are? And um, so we're focused on creating skills. We're focused on increasing diversity. We're focused on bringing more investment and more businesses to Wales and really kind of growing that whole ecosystem that you need for fintech to thrive. Um, and so I'm just very passionate about basically making Wales a much stronger place for business and for for fintechs and so that's really where it came from i currently chair the uh, the the board and uh, very passionate volunteers uh, like i say not for profit so i don't get paid and i'm like i just do this out of my crazy crazy uh, goodness of my heart but it's because i just really enjoy like i said i i, I get driven by things that are maybe people wouldn't normally do or they wouldn't choose to to do that and they might say well yeah it it seems that doesn't seem like it's possible or it doesn't seem you know like an easy task and so I'm quite driven and drawn to those types of things and and it just proves what you can do with a really strong team really motivated really worthwhile um purpose so all those things run through run through that group Oh, fantastic. And wow, that's that's great. 100, 100 uh, members now. So that's that's not small, is it? It's grown like a lot from when you started, when it first started. So yeah, amazing. To see. And, and, and I guess also what you bring, Louise, to that, 
because a lot of those members and those businesses that are involved will be smaller entrepreneurial businesses. Like you say, they haven't necessarily got the big budgets and they haven't got like, you know, the whole resources that a larger organization has got. But I think to have you chairing that with, you know, that very deep corporate experience that you've got will will be hugely valuable to to those those smaller businesses. You know, you're almost bringing the best of big business to to a smaller business in an appropriate way, isn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a really good way of looking at it. But, but at the same time, being I'm very privileged because I get to work with them and find out what they're doing, and and you know, I, I think you just you learn as much. It's it's like when when you have a leader being work, mentoring a more junior member of staff. Quite often, uh, the leader's gaining so much from that experience, but yet that's never the way it's positioned. That kind of reverse mentoring piece, but. But yeah, it's it's fantastic. So if you want to get involved with FinTech Wales or any of the other FinTech organizations, just reach out to them. There's always events, networking, great fireside chats. I'm going to get you in, Jeanette, to, to host a fireside chat for us. I think that'd be brilliant. Um, and there's always something happening in your local area. So just reach out, whichever, whatever type of organization you're involved in. There, there are loads of different like, member bodies, um, some, some better than others. Uh, but yeah, just reach out, get involved and check it out. Yeah, because it can be a really lonely place when you're, you know, you're a business owner, a business leader. It's every, you know, it's it's often it can feel very isolating, like you've got to have all the answers. And of course, none of us do, as we were talking earlier about having how we, you know, having a great team. But if you're a small business, you haven't always got the resources to have like lots and lots of people on your team. So how do you get that support through through a network like FinTech Wales is I think is really powerful. And and just some just sort of building on that, Louise, um, talking about networking. So one of my mentors, Rob Moore, he always has a he has a phrase which I think is quite powerful, um, that your network is your net worth. Now, you're you're um probably experiencing a bit of this at the moment because of course you'll have a very, you know, in-depth in-depth, you know, business network from your career and all of the different sectors you've been in. And now you're going down the plural route and you've been introduced to lots, probably lots of different people. So your your network sort of kind of grows. It's like a it's like a spider's web, I always think, over the years. And those relationships are so, so important, I think. But what's your approach to networking for yourself? And what advice would you give to others that sort of feel a bit awkward about it or maybe feel oh gosh no it's all a little bit transactional and not really for me you know because I think sometimes people feel a bit weird about networking I think that oh it's a great question and I'm going to reflect on that um phrase as well so for me it's about taking something um and giving something to that person so I always try and think what how can I help them and then nine times out of 10, they'll be thinking, how can I help you back? And and so I think that's, if you take that approach to whoever you're meeting with, um, I think that, that, that helps to give you a, a reason for having the conversation. And then the other part of it is when you are trying to network, I think ask, ask for the introductions. Ask for, so when you're having the conversation, say, well, you know, I'd love to, you just mentioned blah, blah, blah. I'd love to you know, meet them or, or just, and I think when you get those warm introductions, it's so much easier to open so many other doors. And so I think a couple of things there is take something to the table that you you think you're helping the other person. Um, listen, and you'll find other ways that you can help the other person. And then um, like ask for the next introduction. I think is the other way of, of thinking. Yeah. About it. 
No, I think that's brilliant. I mean, I, I think the same. Lead with value, first and foremost. Lead with value. And, you know, and the law of reciprocity has, has a weird way of kind of working. And it's not about giving to receive. But I think if you're a good person, you put good out in the world, nine times out of ten, it will come back to you. And if it doesn't, well, at least you've done a good thing by someone, you know. So I, I completely exactly. agree with what you're saying. Yeah. It reminds me of um, the Bugsy Malone song, Give a Little Love and it all comes back to you. That, uh, I just, I get that going around in my head. So I think that's uh, a good way to live. Excellent. We'll get you on stage at the Christmas party singing that then. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So can we just talk about diversity for a second? Because of course you've had a really, really strong career, you know, female CEO running a very big organisation. You've done, had a, you know, a stellar career before that. What's your experience been in terms of being a woman in business, Louise? I think it's really interesting because that one of the companies that I work with, we did a we did a uh, it's out on YouTube I think or somewhere um, in the Eva we did a session on that and I I heard from so many different women in that organisation and it was absolutely brilliant and it gave me and so much positive. Um, hope I think is probably the 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 sense I had and I definitely think it's shifting over the generations from um different events I've been in so so to me yes I've been pretty much the woman the only woman in the room so many times I can't remember I um I really struggle to remember um a lot of people's names who I meet because they're generally white middle-aged men I'm sorry I really struggle and there's only one of me so they're like hi Louise and I'm like hi I'm really <laughs> Sorry, I've forgotten your name. Um, so, so look, I th- has it helped or hindered? Who really knows? Because I've only lived this one career. Um, I I truly believe that businesses are successful when they have good ideas and they make good decisions. And I truly believe for both of those, you need a diverse group of people um, communicating with each other in an environment of trust where they can where they can bring everything together. And and so. I've always tried to create those types of environments, whether I was in a leadership position or not. When I was more junior, I tried to create that type of environment. And when I was younger, if I couldn't, if I, if I felt that I wasn't being valued or I felt that the environment wasn't one where I could thrive, then I would either try and change it first or I would I would move on and, and, and change what I was what I was doing, where I was working. Um, I'm not sure that really answers your question, but but I think yes clearly has had influence good in some ways bad in others but I think everybody each individual now and will experience those different things in different ways um I think we're definitely getting better um recognizing these things calling them out more uh, which is always the hardest thing to do is actually to call it out when you see it Uh, I've got I think I personally have got much better at that kind of the allyship um approach uh but yeah, I've, I learned so much just from this this session I did with all these other ladies from from a company called CFC. It's absolutely brilliant. It's it's online somewhere wherever it is. But um, I was like, wow, you know, there was it, it just it gave me so much more hope. They are going to do such a better job than I am um, at making sure that as women, their careers are you know they've got equity um, throughout their careers. So it was it was brilliant and very inspiring. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the world has shifted massively, you know, certainly from when I sort of first first got my first director board position, you know, and uh, I through most of my corporate life, I was always the only woman in the boardroom with a P&L, you know, and uh, 
but it has shifted a lot. But nonetheless, we still only have 8% of FTSE 100 businesses that are run by female CEOs. So there's still some way to go, isn't there? But yeah, we have we have made progress for sure. But I also, I used to think, well, listen, if I walk into a room thinking there's going to be a problem, there probably will be, right? And I just think, well, I'll do the best I can. That's all I can do. I'll, I'll try to be as much of me as I can be in that world. Um, although sometimes, it, you know, you, you do end up, or I did end up sort of, I suppose, probably being more of a match, not matcher, more of an alpha female in my earlier career than I was in my later corporate life, if you know, if if that makes sense. And um, yeah, I just I just think, you know, we've we've scratched the surface with with diversity, equity, and inclusion, because we talk about gender diversity, but you know, LGBTQ plus, we've still got a long way to go, disability, social mobility, all these things, you know, and you just want a fair environment, don't you, that that gives opportunities for all, because why would you not want a diverse talent? you know, a range that represents your customers, you know, why would you want one view of the world that life isn't like yeah. that. So yeah, I think it's um, interesting, but I, I'm a bit like you, I'm sort of like, well, my journey has been my journey. I've really enjoyed the ride. I think I've added value and I've been a good person through it, but yeah, have there been challenges? Yes, of course there have. Have there been lots of opportunities probably as a result of it as well? Yes, I think there has as well, you know, so it's, it's always, um, there's a yin to every yang, isn't there? I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think just being positive about what each day brings and helping others. I think that's probably the one thing um, that as you progress through your career, extend a helping hand to those coming behind you. And I think if you can take that approach, I think that's incredibly um, valuable and will will help to keep that momentum of change going. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So when you look at sort of what, you know, the 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 road ahead, Louise, you know, I know you're sort of still figuring things out and what have you, but if you were sort of, you know, 10 years from here, you know, from, from 10 years on from here, what, what would the, what would the world, what would you like the world to look like for you? Oh, wow. That's a really good question. It's actually an exercise that um, a good friend of mine recommends that you do. You kind of write down exactly what you want to be in 10 years time and you don't show anybody. You don't tell anybody. It's just it's just for you. Uh, so so what would I publicly say? Uh, so I obviously I want to be healthy. I want to be happy. I want to have helped more people to thrive and make the most of their talent. I want to have helped more businesses, help more people and, and do things better, um, which is better for society in general. And and that's it. You know, I'm not going to have a big, you know, kind of like target as to I need to have achieved X or done Y. I just want to do more and do it, do it better. It's, it's very, very simple. I have, I have a passion for 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 helping, helping others. And I want to do more of that. Yeah, it feels to me as you're talking, I'm just reflecting as you were, as as you know, as the conversation's evolving. It, it strikes me that this phase for you is 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 quite is much more about giving back, probably. You know, to to sort of you've had a great career and and you're obviously very very um respectful and and feel feel grateful for that. But now it's around how do you how do you help that next generation? How do you help more people? And of course, you know, you, you would hope that the rewards would come as a result of that. But by leading with value first, then whatever comes afterwards is almost secondary. Um, and I think that's a great thing, a great thing to do. And, and you know, in terms of you, you know your career, Louise, anyone listening to you talk will probably be thinking, oh, my God, it's all right for Louise, isn't she? Isn't it? She's had this amazing career. She's just like, like perfect, this perfect business 
<laughs> well, 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 I know that life hasn't been all like that for you, but any kind of particular low points or, or times when you've had to really dig deep and kind of, you know, pull yourself out of a situation that's not been so positive in, in your life, either personally or, or, or professionally? Oh, gosh. I mean, there's there's been loads over, over time, you know, personally, professionally. I think there's, I'm trying to think of the ways that I've pulled myself out of them as being very much uh, leaning on people around me. Um, so you surround yourself with people you can trust and you trust to uh, be there for you and to support you. And I've always been quite open with my vulnerability as well. And very much like, hey, you know what? I'm not happy right now and I need some help. Uh, you know, I've cried in front of teams. I've cried in front of entire companies. You know, I, you know I'm quite... I'm quite kind of open and honest. Um, so that's, that's yeah, that, that kind of comes through. And so there is, yeah, so I think that's that's basically fundamentally what I would do. I, I, I talk to people and I also try and see it for what have I learned from this? What can I take away from this? What can I, what can make me better going forward? Um, and, and yeah, try and kind of process and reflect on what's happened and what, what I can do better next time. Uh, I used to, uh you know, sweat everything that went wrong you know sweat the small stuff uh, we called it uh, my, my coach at the time she was very good at kind of pointing it out and so I also kind of created myself some questions to ask myself in those moments when things go really dark and you start kind of obsessing maybe that's just me but yeah you kind of start obsessing over something so just some really simple questions I would say you know how material is this can I do something about it tomorrow um is it is it really going to hurt what where I'm trying to achieve what I'm trying to do and if um if you know I'd answer all those questions and and suddenly these these things which would taken up an inordinate amount of my headspace would would start to shrink and start to become more manageable so so little techniques like that I've found over the years has really really helped but but yeah being very open is I mean, I haven't um, bared all, no one ever does, uh, but I've certainly been uh, very, very open with, with everybody I've worked with, which is just the way I am. And you can't change it. So that I might as well do it. Well, no, absolutely. And I think that's it. You know, I mean, I had a bit of a liberating moment when I came out of corporate life and I started doing more on social media because when you, you know, when you're in the, those corporate roles, you're, you are restricted because, of course, what you say can affect the share price. And, you know, so you've got to be careful. Right. And I always thought social media was for losers, really. But anyway, since then, I've kind of I kind of now see the value, you know, and, and how social media can be used for really great things as well as, you know, helping people with useful content or, you know, connections, etc. And of course, there's another side to it. But nonetheless, I started kind of you know putting my putting my big girl pants on and and um doing more on social media and and my mentor at the time said listen you know Jeanette people are going to judge you anyway so you may as well put yourself out there for something that you believe in and as long as you're doing it in the right way you're not intentionally harming anyone and you're trying to be a good person through the process and you know what not everyone will like you that's okay you're not going to be everyone's bag and social media you know you are sort of putting your head above the parapet a little bit but you know what so what? And I think once I got got my head around, well, people are going to judge you anyway. So you may as well, you know, stand for something that you believe in um, and then see what happens. And if you get the odd person that doesn't quite like you, well, that's all right. You know, it's fine. Don't 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 interact with me then. Don't follow me, you know. And so, yeah, it's quite it's quite liberating. It'd be interesting to see what how how your journey evolves as you as you're out of that kind of world now and you're much more in control of your own your own destiny now you you choose right 
yeah yeah exactly you choose what you what you put out into the world I think that's a really good point though that you're always going to be judged and not everybody's going to like you and I've certainly had some pretty harsh kind of like um critics on social media and things like that and experience that world and and also I'm not very good in the politics and or toxic cultures things like that you know so so yeah I think it's um I, th I think they're good good things to recognize that people are always going to judge you but if you can look at yourself in the mirror if you can tell your kids that what you did and why you did it if you can you know tell your loved ones your grandma or whatever it might be the grandma test you know then then I think that's the right way to live your life yeah yeah brilliant I love that so Louise last few questions if I may um when you think about your career your life so far have you had any uh, really good advice that's that's helped you through the years so I would say the best piece of advice is uh, what I received from my dad and that's not just advice not just words because I kind of grew up seeing him doing this and so therefore it has a massive impact because it's easy to you know, give someone advice but it's, if you see that person also um, walking the the walk instead of just talking about it it makes much more impact so so that was my dad always said never ask anyone to do anything that you aren't willing to do yourself and so I think that was that was really really important to me and I saw him you know he worked on a factory floor he worked his way up through the factory to run it to then go on to be on the board of directors and and I saw him behave like that and his team respect him and behave like that and so that's something that I've always always kind of held true and and focused on so yeah never ask anyone to do anything that you wouldn't be willing to do yourself great I love that yes good 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 northern advice there <laughs> fantastic <laughs> and have, have you ever had any bad advice Louise I have I have but bad advice from someone that I really really love and uh but they said to me, I was taking on a new role and they said to me, don't make a decision for six months. And I love that person, but basically I completely ignored their advice. I made big decisions within a couple of days and I'm actually really glad that I did ignore their advice. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, that's that's the thing about advice, isn't it? It's feedback and you decide what to do with it, you know, whether you're going to follow it or not follow it. So, um, yeah, no, and, and also situation, context is, is is so important, isn't it, you know? But um, fantastic. So, Louise, the podcast called Brave, Bold, Brilliant. And, of course, you are all three of those, which is uh, fantastic. And you are going to be your episode 300. So this is very exciting for us. Um, so when you think of that that phrase, Brave, Bold, Brilliant, what does it mean to you? Uh, well, that's a brilliant question. I did know it was coming. Uh, so I'm... <laughs> But I feel very uh, thankful that you said it, but basically it's everything I want to be. It is everything I want to be. It's everything I want to inspire in others. And it's everything that I want my kids to grow up to be as well. And in terms of what it means to me, it means speaking up. It means standing up for what you believe is right, despite what anyone else thinks, despite what those consequences might be for you. And often that comes from a place of privilege, and confidence I get that but I actually believe that it's something that you can bring you um privilege and confidence to and I think it's something that is actually quite innate to some individuals so I've come across some people who will naturally keep their head down and they'll be a chameleon to fit in to their environments and I've met lots of others who will make their own mark they'll do things their own way I'm definitely 
unapologetically the latter. And uh, for me, that's about being brave, bold and brilliant. Oh, what a perfect way to end. Thank you so much, Louise. Honestly, I could have chatted to you for days and days. <laughs> but I'm going to see you in Wales. We will. When I we will. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Thanks, Louise. It's been great having you on. Thank you. I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review.